Hello and welcome to Runway Girl Network In Conversation, a deep dive into aviation and the passenger experience. I'm RGN Deputy Editor John Walton and today I've got something a little unusual. I'm in conversation with a half dozen senior executives from across the airline passenger world, from Finnair, Stelia, Talis, Inmarsat, the Seamless Air Alliance, Acro and IFPL, direct from the floor of the Apex Expo and Aircraft Interiors Expo Americas in Boston last month. We're talking about what's new and what's coming up in the world of PAXX. But first, thanks to our sponsor. In Conversation is brought to you by Bolteron, a Simona company, purveyor of high-performance thermoplastics for tomorrow's aircraft interiors. Specialising in an extensive range of film and sheet products tailored to the requirements of the aerospace industry, Bolteron is dedicated to providing consistent, high-quality materials, advanced performance solutions, and meeting evolving trends in aircraft interior design. Learn more at boltaron.com. To start the expo week off, I had a bit of a big picture chat with Pia Karhu, Finnair's Senior Vice President for Customer Experience, about what the Apex and Aircraft Interiors Americas Expos mean for her, for Finnair, and for attendees more widely. We started off talking about the Education Day on the Monday, which kicks off the week. Well, there's many interesting dimensions here. Of course, um, what was great this morning is that we get to hear uh, stories of six different airlines. Uh, CEOs and what they are doing in the area of customer experience and of course their strategies. So that of course is always good time to stop and think about that. What can we learn from the others? The second thing, of course, this is a great place for networking, particularly. So even though with today's uh, all Skype equipment and stuff, it's still different to to meet uh, uh, your partners and and also colleagues from other airlines in person and and discuss about matters, what's happening on. What are they developing on the customer experience area or ancillaries or so? So I would say those are the main reasons to come here. And of course, very excited to the awards tonight as well. So who are the new five-star airlines as well? Mm-hmm. And what sort of thing is it that you want to see on the show floor at Apex? What are the, what are the things that you'd like to experience or understand more uh, from, from the exhibitors and the suppliers here? Yeah, well, of course, uh, anything new that is, is kind of... Um, uh, in a POC level, so not necessarily something new, but something that the suppliers are thinking of that they could bring to the market and have a dialogue that could there be something valuable for us. So I think this is a good place to really hear what new is is coming and what will be there in the market in one or two or three years time, a little bit depending on the different different, uh, products. Mm -hmm. And what do you want out of this show compared with Aircraft Interiors Expo in Hamburg, say? Or is it a second go-round in the year? You know, yeah, I, I, would, I would rather say so, that it's kind of a second go-round in a year. Mm-hmm. That, that uh, I mean, the Hamburg is a, is a good place as well, but it's quite, the sh- it's still, uh, typically we have an agenda that is quite wide, so it's still not enough time to really explore all the areas. So this is kind of the second round that then you can do deep dives in the selected areas. And we have a great team here as well in place and we have divided responsibilities. So some are looking more into the connectivity side, some are more looking into the entertainment content side and some are looking for more interiors. So we have you know, divided the team with, with uh, different meetings with different suppliers so that we can get the best out of it. On the show floor, I made a beeline for the Skylight stand where I found Claire Nurkham, head of marketing at Seatmaker Stelia. Skylight's Stelia and InSeat Solutions have integrated the Skylight's AlloSky headsets with rumble speakers and the Stelia Opal seat. And Claire, together with a couple of her colleagues, explains how that came about. Stelia Aerospace has partnered with Skylights to bring the VR experience directly integrated into the seat. That allows us to 
provide not just the 2 and 3D uh, cinematic features of, of, of the Skylight system, but uh, in partnership as well with um, Inseat, uh, who are providing the, uh, the, the rumble, uh, the vibration strip, we can create a fully 4D cinematic experience within the seat. So what the role of Stelia Aerospace has been within that is to integrate all of these diverse systems into the seat and to create an environment where you are sitting in total comfort having uh, a wireless uh, headset, wireless uh, VR uh, set and uh, a fully moving uh, cinematic experience. You get all the rumbles from the explosions and, uh, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the other uh, innovation that we've brought to this project is the ability to control the seat itself when you are within the virtual world. So that allows you to uh, move from, a, from an upright to a recline position or to readjust your position if you're already in recline and you want to go full flat without having to you know, start uh, you know, getting out of your virtual world to find the, the seat buttons to be able to control your seat. You can just slip into the, uh, into the virtual world, control your seat, and then continue watching your film and, uh, and relaxing. Or, yeah. uh, and, and how is it actually connected into the seat's functionality and mechanisms itself? So we've got a number of uh, electric boxes that are interfacing both with the systems, uh, the, the integrated systems, and with the seat electronics themselves. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, there's a certain amount of uh, proprietary uh, magic involved in that, mm -hmm. but um, there's uh, receivers and, and transceivers so that we can uh, manage all the different wireless and wired connections uh, between the various elements so that it's completely seamless for the passenger. Yeah. And is it all done by Bluetooth? Or is it Wi-Fi as well? Uh, is, is it a Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, or are we not wanting to talk about that? We don't want to do very much about that, but it's a mix. Okay, a, mix, a mixture of connectivity. Yes, both of them are And where are you in terms of certifying? Do you have any... Uh, we did not start the process yet. Mm -hmm. yeah. just want to gather the, the customer interest and mm -hmm. see whether we can go... Because for the first time, we need a customer to mount the product, but mm -hmm. for that, we need to, to gather the interest and then go deeper into the, the maturity of the, the system. Yeah, yeah. So this is a, it's a laboratory level. Yeah. yeah. It's a real proof of concept. Yeah. yeah. And it's the first time that I think anyone's ever tried to do this to this yeah. extent to integrate all these systems yeah. to this extent. Yeah. But you're using technologies that are already in use in the cabin in terms of the wireless spectrum. Obviously, when we go through the certification activities, we are going to engage the, the authorities to discuss the various elements, which include both the on-seat systems, which are in any case not, I would say, using any technology that is, is unknown to the, to the industry in general, yep. and then to address all the human factors elements around that as well. Yep. The integration was probably the most impressive thing I saw all week at the co-located expos, and I'll be really fascinated to hear how it progresses. Staying with the world of in-flight entertainment, Talis is concentrating on helping airlines to improve the way their customers interact with their in-flight entertainment systems. So I am here on the Talis booth with Preeti Aurora. Preeti, tell me about this new way that you're offering to airlines to customise their graphics user interface or GUI. So we have a new product called Select. Uh, it's a Select UI and it's primarily configuration based for airlines, uh, especially for airlines that want to be faster to market. The whole concept with Select is that it's available within a month for the airline. It can be changed on a daily basis, on a weekly basis or monthly. It can be loaded wirelessly uh, via content. There's no software update required. 
Uh, one of the key features that we've offered with Select is a showcase screen. That showcase screen is the first screen that the uh, passenger show, uh, sees and it has uh, multiple types of content mixed together really to entertain the passenger. That's the uh, goal of it and that's what we're offering with Select. Uh, we've partnered with an outside agency and it's used our UX Center of Excellence uh, department to uh, create that user experience for the airlines. Mm -hmm. And how does it all link in with in-flight connectivity as well? So uh, with in-flight connectivity, we can uh, offer other features, other applications that are available. So as an example, our IPTV offering is uh, through connectivity, and that can be uh, offered as one of the tiles within the showcase screen. Uh, we have connecting gate information. We have live news. Uh, we also have third-party applications that can be brought forward through our Talus application portal. So one of the things that we are showcasing uh, is a BBC app, BBC News app that's a native app that was just dropped in through our SDK onto the uh, client and that could be another tile that the airline is promoting so really the showcase screen is about the, the airline promoting certain content certain partners that typically a passenger wouldn't see mm -hmm. okay and so let's say I'm an airline and I want this how do I set it up and then how do I manage it on a day-to-day -day basis so we have a configuration tool and what we would do is we would sit down with the airline and say what type of assets do you want that you want to change on a daily basis or a monthly basis it could be the logos it could be the background it could be the text color it could be as much as a uh, icon or a uh, text-based menu as well they can change all of that and we would sit down together with them the first time to uh, lay that out once that's laid out the airline can do it on their desktop on their tablet they have the configuration tool and they can go uh, as frequently as they want they can even do it multiple times a day if the you know if they want to do different types of testing different types of a b testing to find out which layout works better whether it's mosaic layout whether it's linear layout is it a certain color is it different placements they can do all of that at their own desktop pretty aurora there solution product line manager at telus in-flight experience moving on to in-flight connectivity the big news coming into the show was the freshly announced partnership between Panasonic Avionics and Inmarsat. I talked to David Coyley, Vice President for Aviation at Inmarsat, to learn more about what the next few months will hold for this partnership. Inmarsat and Panasonic, uh, I've signed the collaboration agreement, very early stages. We're going to be working over the next 120 days to uh, get down and dirty with one another and understand how this is going to work from a sales perspective, a customer support perspective, the technical integration, the customer support, and all of those things that are necessary with regard to bringing, bringing uh, a new partner and a new distribution channel into the Global Express world. We've done it before, we're very familiar with that, we have a lot of uh, infrastructure and support mechanisms, so for Inmarsat it's, it's relatively easy and something that we, we, we've done before. For Panasonic, they've got to get used to working with a, a partner in this way. Um, so there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of work and a lot of discussion and a lot of relationships that need to be built up. Um, what this then means is that the uh, airlines around the world will get this option progressively become available to them and they'll be able to consider it alongside what Panasonic is already doing and also the other ways in which Global Express uh, reaches the market today. Um, with regard to what it means and how quickly things will, will move forward, Panasonic, you know, one of the interesting things is Panasonic has an exclusive option to, sorry, will exclusively be uh, using Global Express for any KA band future that it has for its customers. So those customers that want KA band from Panasonic, that will be with Global Express. However, Panasonic does have this existing, significant existing business on KU band. They will need to continue to support 
resource and arguably grow that. They have a significant backlog of KU band that they'll need to support so that they will be expanding that network and that capability to support that. And over time, we do expect to shift uh, from the Inmarsat perspective at least onto Global Express for new customer requirements as we get going. All of that work's gonna be triggered over the, uh, the immediate future, the next few, uh, few days, weeks, and months as we, uh, we get to know one another a little better. Um, we have worked together in the past. A lot of us have worked together personally, but Inmarsat has worked with Panasonic back in the day on some of our earlier technologies. So we have some, uh, some pockets of, uh, of knowledge of one another, how things, how, how, how things work. We've got to upgrade, we've got to change, we've got to adapt to, uh, to, to this new, uh, new environment, but it's something that we're all very excited about, as indeed we are for, uh, for continuing to work with our existing relationships with partners elsewhere in the, the IFC market for air transport and the BGA markets and the, the safety services market that continue and grow alongside this, uh, this exciting new development. More widely, the Seamless Air Alliance has been making much progress. I'm here with Jack Mandala from the Seamless Air Alliance. Jack, what is new with the Alliance? What's, what's going on? So we have uh, a lot of great things going on. Um, we're continuing to sign new members. Um, we just had uh, Panasonic sign up. Uh, we had Astronics, um, iDirect, um, and a healthy pipeline of, of folks to come. Uh, across the whole industry. That's one thing that's exciting about what we're doing, right? So we've got the whole gamut from the airline manufacturer, from Airbus, all the way down to the airline itself, and everything in between, including Intelsat and Inmarsat and OneWeb and Rockwell Collins and Nokia. So, I mean, really important players here focused on getting the job done. Mm -hmm. And so... You were telling me recently that there's, uh, you've got some big milestones coming up in terms of what the, what the group's going to be producing. Um, yeah. So tell, tell, tell us more about that. Yeah, so we're, we're getting a lot more organized now. We, we've had three different working groups that, that have been uh, working together really to define where the work begins and ends and make sure that it all, everyone's kind of well organized. Um, at the meeting next week or this week, we'll put together the table of contents for the technical specification for Seamless, and we will uh, define what's in scope and what's out of scope and what each of the working groups is gonna be doing. Uh, we also define 90-day goals for each of the working groups, what's, you know, what they'll have complete, what, what they hope to have complete in the short term, mm -hmm. so that we can uh, break this off into bite-sized pieces, right. so to speak. Slice that elephant into yes. into edible chunks, one sure. bite at a time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, what's the next? What's the next bite of, of the proverbial elephant uh, in this case? So we'll talk about that tomorrow at the members meeting. Mm -hmm. I think um, there's a lot to be done in the technology working group and the value chain working group. Uh, you know, those are you know groups where we'll be looking to assign uh, task group heads, chairs, committee, leads, whatever you want to call them, so that um, we can, break, again, break it down into smaller pieces, leverage the good assets and resources of our membership, and, and put them to work to, to break this thing down into something that we can complete. Mm -hmm. And in terms of completing, what's, what is the end goal for the Alliance? What, what, what is it aiming to achieve? at the end of the... So the program. Alliance aims to achieve a open standard for in-flight connectivity system deployment. Um, we'll also put together a certification program. 
that will define parameters that you have to meet to become seamless certified. Uh, those are probably our two main goals. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's going to bring a whole bunch of benefits for the industry. Absolutely. It will drive innovation in the industry. It will lower costs across the industry. We see so much innovation going on with flat panel antennas and modems and new constellations coming out. Literally hundreds of terabits of capacity coming online. If you're an airline, you don't want to be locked into one provider. And this is like having an unlocked aircraft mm -hmm. where you can, you know, let the market forces prevail, right? Yep. If you've got the best service. So there's nothing to be scared of from a service provider perspective. If you believe you have the best service, then this opens opportunities for you, not closes them. Yep. So it's good for the airlines. It's good for the service providers. It's good for the whole industry, lowering costs, driving innovation. Seamless Airlines Chief Executive Officer Jack Mandala there. Over on the Aircraft Interiors Expo America's side of the show floor, I talked with Alan McInnes, Senior Vice President for Sales at Acro, for an update on their innovative range of seats, including the Ultra Simline Series 3, fully featured Simline Series 6, and Premium Economy slash Business Series 7. First up, I asked him what's new with Acro. We have continued to develop our seat range, so uh, if you remember, John, we had the Series 3, which then went into um, Airbus catalogue offerability in January 2017. And that's the slimline that we all know is the one you can stand on the table. That's the slimline with the uh, with the stand on the table. And we also have the new table um, developed for a customer, our first customer in China, Spring Airlines, uh, who um, they liked the soda sandwich concept, but they had a snack box concept. And so they said, can you accommodate a snack box? And we said, yeah, we can redesign the table. Um, and it's still a 16G hex seat, which they were delighted with. So we now have our um, snack box table. Um, so that's the Series 3 ST seat, which continues to be um, unconditionally offerable at Airbus. Um, Series 6, uh, the seat that uh, we launched and went and then had launch customer with Air New Zealand. We've been doing our first production of uh, that seat for them, first deliveries. And Series 6 has then transitioned from being in potential future products at Airbus into being offerable with Airbus single aisle. Um, and then the seat we're sat on just now, Series 7, has gone into potential future products with Airbus. Um, we have a um, line fit launch customer for uh, this seat, which will then, uh, again, to quote you, um, if I may, it's uh, offerability limbo. Um, so, but that's part of the progress it was about. Um, when we embarked upon this journey three years ago, it was expand our product range and expand our geographic reach. So with now three, Series 6 and Series 7, we have the product range. Um, and in terms of our geographic, we have first customer in South America, first customer in China, um, and first customer in Middle East. So um, while it sounds like a little bit more of the same, it's about being on that journey for Acro. Um, Looking a little bit further ahead to the future, um, uh, we've been requested to look at uh, a version of Series 6 for Twin Isle. Um, again, densification happens within the Twin Isle market. Series 6 performs fantastically at reduced pitches where space and the use of space is absolutely paramount. So um, looking at a Twin Isle version of that, and, and again, just you know, looking at reinforcing on our product roadmap about finding 
um, those those uh, how we can build upon our family of products because that's very much how we look upon it. It's a family of products that has some modularity, um, you know, and, and dual-class Lopas with Series 6 and Series 7 placed together. That will be the future of what we do in the next three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Series 7 is flying. Series 7 is flying with Primera. Um, they have put it on their A321 LR fleet. Um, so the aircraft delivers from Airbus with uh, an all-economy. It then goes in for a post-delivery mod to add the Series 7 seat. Um, and Primera for next year will be, I believe, launch customer for the Boeing 737 MAX 9 LR, which again we will um, put on a, a Series 6, Series 7, and Primera will be launching um, from uh, Brussels, Frankfurt and Berlin to their um, US or North American gateways, JFK, Toronto, Boston. Um, so yeah, um, exciting times for, for Series 7 um, on being available um, with engineering for both Boeing and Airbus. As it turned out, between recording and release, Primera Air ceased operations. But it strikes me there are plenty more fish in the sea, or rather the sky, for Acro. And lastly, in-seat power supplier IFPL was showing off a faintly terrifying option to automate charging passengers to use in-flight power sockets, in this example USB. Here's Vice President of Business Development, David Thomas. Charge to charge. Uh, So, yes, charge to charge is the way of monetizing your USB, whether it be through charging for power, say a dollar or something like that, or by being able to launch advertising or promotions to generate advertising revenue effectively. The way it works is simply that as the passenger is booking their ticket, they will have an option on the website that they can buy power. They simply click that, connect to it, buy the ticket. When they buy their ticket, a token is then sent to their the phone on their the app on their phone, and that effectively tells the um, outlet when it's plugged in that the that it's been paid for. Um, and it can turn on. So all you simply do is then is plug in your phone and the power is then delivered to the phone. Mm-hmm. If they haven't paid for it, uh, the phone will, uh, the app will recognise it when you come on board and then it will give you the option to pay for power, whether that be through credit card, flight miles or a voucher from the flight cabin crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's simple as that. Yeah. And you can also monetize it through watching a video. Uh, yes, yeah. Sorry, yeah, and I missed that. Yes, so it's, it works exactly the same. As you plug it in, it would uh, recognize that it's um, on. It would automatically launch the app, and then the app would say, would you like power? If you want power, then you have to watch an advert. You don't have to make them watch an advert, but it would can just automatically launch an advert, but obviously watch, them agreeing to watch it is a little bit more... Yeah. Um, Nice thing to do in this day and age. But uh, yeah, so does, you can monetize the ride, that. And obviously, the, the rise in freemium gaming, where that's yeah. more things that people do for Candy Crush or whatever. Yeah. Is, is, is that, does that make it more acceptable? Think? I think it does, yeah. I yeah. think, I, I think this is, uh, most people now, yeah, I'll watch an advert. Well, it's that YouTube, you get all the, all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and everything. Yeah. Uh, uh, that you sort of give something away yourself to get something mm-hmm. back. So it's sort of give and take. Thing. Yeah. And I think it's just the way a lot of things are these days so I, I, I totally agree with you it's, um, 
I think it is more accept acceptable to do it that way. And in terms of your backing and like calculation and pricing? Well, I just, I mean, I worked it out that if you had something like a 180 seat, uh, 80, 20, doing six, well, seven or eight sectors a day, uh, at a dollar and a 10% take rate, the airline would make about $50,000 a year revenue. So, yeah, per you know, aircraft. Per yeah. aircraft. Yeah. So, it would soon add up. Obviously, if you, there will be some price elasticity in that, you know, would $2 acting be too much or $3 be too much or, you know, yeah. at, at what point that is. But uh, I think, you know, a dollar and being only a 10% take rate, I think most people would get more than one and need power. So I think the actual take rate would be a higher. So if you got to 20% or 30%, 100, 150,000 revenue yeah. an aircraft a year. So it soon adds up. Pace of the system being installed as well as making additional money for the airline. Yeah. So. And you would have ability to automatically turn on for a certain Euro business sort of section of the Yeah, cabin. again, it would recognize the flight section, the mode and everything like that. So when people uh, plug in. Yeah. And you, you could organize that in the back end, yeah. so you yeah. wouldn't have to have the 5% in the cable. Tap a, 1A, tap 1C. No, it would all be done. Everything's managed through the app. So as long as it's got the information about the flight and what the airline wants to do. So if they want to make that flight free, yeah. as long as you've got the app on board, yeah. it, it, yeah. you, you could go around and turn it Effectively, everything's controlled through the app and the outlet, mm -hmm. and you don't yeah. need any yeah. other infrastructure. But you could, for example, if I feel like you, you would want somehow for the flight attendant to be able to turn it on. Yes, they can. Yeah, um, yeah. either through, through, either through, through the app. or actually we can. We could supply a dongle with um, the magic uh, magic creed uh, yeah, right, to, yeah. to be able to turn it on and off, and they could right. have that to be able to, to do yeah. it in a. Yeah. in another way so there's plenty of ways of doing it yeah. it's just um, the airline wants to implement it yeah. and that's where we work with them to be able to do that I'll admit to uh, giving this one a bit of a hairy eyeball I'm uh, someone who's spent a fair amount of the last year shuttling around Europe on low-cost carriers without power sockets so if it persuades the EasyJets, Ryanair's and Wizards to add power then I'm all for it but if it means that the Air France's, Lufthansa's and British Airways of the world chart charging I'm less keen Panasonic Avionics, meanwhile, was showing something that's hard to write about, but much easier to talk about on a podcast. Essentially, Panasonic has installed noise-cancelling speakers in the shroud of a seat to dampen the sounds coming from around you. And they were simulating the background noise of a Boeing 777 cabin to show it off at the expo. Now, it's definitely in the prototype phase, and Panasonic's spokesperson was keen that I tell you that it is, quote, more akin to a field test than replicating the precise surroundings under which active noise-cancelling is designed to operate, but here's what it sounds like, just recorded live with my iPhone. So I am here in the Panasonic Avionics booth. Um, they've got some active noise cancelling that they've embedded into a seat. What you're hearing now is a simulated background noise from a 777. And they're about to turn the noise cancelling on, so see if you can hear the difference. A lot of the, the sort of deep bass rumble has gone. It's It's not... It's not gone entirely, but it's remarkably different. Um, it's sort of like wearing a wearing a pair of noise cancelling headphones, but without the sweaty ear problem or the that sort of slight feeling of vertigo that you can sometimes get. Let's try turning it off again. Yeah, yeah, you can really hear the difference. 
Now, we are, of course, taking Panasonic's word for it that this is the kind of noise you can replicate through a speaker and that it's an accurate replication. The 777 is also an older, less quiet aircraft than some of the newer models out there, like the 787 uh, and the A350. So on my flight back from the expo, I also recorded a sample of the background noise in business class on an A350 to compare. This one happened to be Lufthansa, which, given the density of their cabins, I'd expect to be a little noisier in terms of background noise than a less dense cabin. super interesting to see how this might work on an aircraft um, but of course that's rather tricky to install it strikes me that Panasonic could pop it on one of the Lufthansa flying lab test beds for example to, to see how it works in the real world so that's the show that was and it was an interesting set of shows this year the overall impression I got from vendors especially on the Aircraft Interiors Expo America's side of the show was that they were disappointed with the amount of footfall from airlines in particular that was especially true later in the show week Apex, the association, has managed to secure an impressive slate of CEOs and other airline executives for its Monday Education Day, and indeed for the Apex Awards, for which, full disclosure, I'm a judge. All that meant that there was a reasonable number of airline visitors on the first day of the show on Tuesday, but that Wednesday and Thursday, in particular, were very quiet indeed. As often happens when this September show is outside the Los Angeles area, it's hard to judge how much this is a factor of the location. Last year, it was remarkable how many exhibitors brought large stands to the show in the Long Beach Convention Center, focused on the Latin American market, particularly around retrofits. With markedly fewer non-stops to Boston compared with LA, this focus wasn't there this year. But the relative size of the AIX America's show in particular seemed very disappointing to the exhibitors, particularly those with the larger stands who'd shipped in seats from overseas at substantial cost. It'll be really interesting to see what the future of these two shows looks like, um, whether we'll be going back to Los Angeles in perpetuity or whether they'll keep trying uh, some out-of-the-way locations. But that's enough for today's conversation. We certainly hope you enjoyed it, and we're always keen to find out what you think. Please feel free to email me at john at runawaygirlnetwork.com with any suggestions. Thanks also to our guests, Pia Karhu from Finnair, Claire Nurkham from Stellia, Preeti Arora from Talis, David Coyley from Inmarsat, Jack Mandala from the Seamless Air Alliance, Alan McInnes at Acro, and everyone who took the time out of their schedule to talk about passenger experience. To continue these conversations, you can find me on Twitter at ThatJohn, and everything from RGN on Twitter at RunwayGirl and at RunwayGirlNetwork.com. If you're enjoying these conversations, please leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts, and thanks for listening.